0: you're listening to love stories with me dolly alderton a series in which i talk to guests about their most defining relationships the passion heartbreak longing familiarity and fondness that has formed who they are my guest this week is the writer actor and doodler jesse cave Jessie's career trajectory has been as unique individual and eclectic as the work she creates. She started out in acting, playing Lavender Brown in the Harry Potter films before appearing in a number of theatre and TV productions including Call the Midwife, Trollied and Glue. She established a following online with comedy sketches, short films and her signature doodles. The drawings, a collection of which were published in a book titled Sick, are witty technicolour depiction of both modern and timeless neuroses, illustrated vignettes of jealousy, codependency, social media addiction and insecurity. But it is her truthful, tender, hilarious and often painful writing that has earned her an army of devoted fans and critical acclaim in recent years. In 2015, she wrote and performed in a one-woman show called I Loved Her, telling the story of how a one night stand with comedian Alfie Brown turned into a baby and her first serious relationship. Her latest show, Sunrise, is about their breakup, the year that followed, and how she dealt with being a co-parent, a single mother of two on the dating scene, and learning to let go of Alfie, who she was still very much in love with.
1: Yeah, so it, the, the, the show starts when it was about halfway through, about six months after we had, broke, we had moved out and Alfie was living alone and I was living with the two babies. Um, and I asked him if he slept with anybody since we'd broken up mm. in the way that I was trying to trick him into mm. telling me because I was, I was fine with it. I'm fine, you can see, you know, just tell me. I'm fine with it. I'm not going to react badly. Um, and I just, I couldn't stop myself. And I just, because I knew something was going on or I just, I still just couldn't understand why we weren't together. And so I just said, you know, so have you, um, have you, have you slept with anyone since we broke up? And he obviously lied and, and I tried to really get into the conversation, but in a very casual way. <laughs> and And that's where all my world crumbled because mm. I just knew that he had and I just couldn't believe it I know that's stupid no it's not
0: stupid at all I think one of the reasons that your doodles speak to people um on on such a kind of intimate level and one of the reasons why I loved your first one woman show I loved her is you do really dig into those anxieties and neuroses and feeling of inadequacy and insecurities and jealousy and it's I, I don't if if you're madly in love with someone who you want to be with, it's completely understandable why you would find it so heartbreaking the thought of them exchanging like certain intimate and sexual rituals that you shared together. And in fact, one of the most powerful bits in Sunrise is when you quiz him, you go really hard on him about whether this girl that he started seeing very casually, whether they've eaten anything together. Mm. And that's the bit that really breaks your heart. (laughs) It
1: just destroyed me, the thought of him in an Uber with someone else. Having a, a chat that destroyed me—that's so—that's so intimate to me. Having toast with someone, and, the, and then I thought about it more and more. And then I just tried to replay after I found out that he had had toast with someone else after sex. I just tried—I I tried so hard to remember when we had had toast, mm. and I tried to remember what I would, how would I would have done his toast, or he hated me making it. Cause I'm awful at making any—I can't even make toast, <laughs> but I would—I would still try. And I tried to think of little things in our relationships that i couldn't just i was just i forgot i i remember breaking down in the breakup at one point because i was like i saw a couple kissing before they they left each other in in soho or something just really casually just like will oh, buy getting kissing and i just just broke down thinking when would i have kissed him in the day Did I kiss him in the morning? Did I kiss him when when? What When when did we make... Did we kiss? Mm. And I remember texting him being like, when did we kiss? (laughs) And he'd be like, we kissed all the time. Yeah, And I was like, but I don't remember. I don't remember. And that broke me because I just... I couldn't remember the minutiae. Mm. And that's... Because you were so
0: overwhelmed by mourning him, was it that?
1: No, I just... Because you forget. Mm. And that's what I'm realising about parenting. You just forget when they were babies. They're suddenly three and you're like... When did you get to be th- what were you mm. like when you were a baby? I don't even remember. Mm. Um, you just as life goes on and you you forget tiny things and and those tiny things are actually crucial and they should be remembered and and him me asking him about whether he had toast with someone to him was nothing it was why are you asking this but to me it was vital and I needed to know because needing I needed to know that those bits of information because it was then making it more real the fact that he was now gone and I needed to know he was gone so that I wasn't living in a make-believe world which I was for so long really which was my fault I, I should have I known that he was obviously seeing other people I should have known that I needed to move on but it's quite hard to move on when you've got a baby on your boob mm-hmm. and you've got a toddler bouncing on the bed like you can't really move on and be like I'm just going out now well, you guys you look didn't... after yourself <laughs> Well now that you're back together I'm
0: interested have you have you talked about obviously you talk very openly in the show about everything that you went through in that year both with being at home with the kids both with your 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 kind of mental process with your emotional process with kind of grieving him and saying goodbye and also a new dating life and trying to go out and start a new life for yourself have you found out his side? Have you done that thing that couples do, where you're like, right, we're just going to tell each other everything and then hit reset?
1: Yeah, but we did that throughout the break, right? Really. I mean, when once I found out about the first lot or the first batch of women <laughs> he, he had slept with, um, he gave me little bits of information by accident, which because I was very good at the investigation, um, but we didn't ever go through each. One, he had started Mm. with. I mean, there was too many.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And and you can't speak on behalf of Alfie, and neither would I make you. But there is something interesting, I think, in the way that people can move through sexual experience. So it's so, so interesting to me that for some people, having lots of casual sexual encounters is completely normal and joyful and everyday part of just being person operating in a city young single on your own and for other people that's sort of unthinkable have
1: you why do you think it is that he does it have you dug into I it i just with can't him? i i this is this is the hardest thing uh, for me because i couldn't understand the logic or how how could she just have casual sex like that and how have lots of sexual partners and then not even think about them again, not even get their number, not even text them, or just ignore their text. Like how how can you how can you be a human? Like mm. I, it was so so far away from where I am at, and I went Because that's a, not
0: something that you that you. Feel I just I, you could do. well
1: at the I I don't know I don't know if I hadn't have had babies when I did mm. I think I'd like to think I would have become quite able to do that and be strong. But I don't know if I would have been able to. Mm. And then because I had them, I, my world is so different now. And that's what I found. Just it just didn't add up when I tried to be this woman going out. Because I basically after the breakup, I, I'm finding out. I moved in with my mum and sister because I realised that I have to move on. I have to let him go. He has moved on. I have to go out now Mm. and I have to find another mate (laughs) I have to find I have to try and be I have to have casual sex too I can compete with him Um, so I tried and obviously I failed immediately Um, and I I kind of got into a situation where I I don't know whether I'm just a very open person but I just I or I attract very intense people but I just immediately got into a situation where I really liked somebody Mm. and he really liked me and that became a dilemma I never thought would happen because suddenly then I have a secret that I didn't mean to have and I would then kind of go out in the evenings and see him and and then go back to the babies because I sleep with them and get into bed with them and I would feel like I've just had a weird outer body kind of experience. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to... It felt slightly wrong Mm -hmm. and I wish it didn't but I think that's because they were so young. Um, they were babies, really. I just and, it and, felt wrong.
0: And was it the the because what something you hear over and over again when people talk about becoming a parent, particularly when women talk about having children, is that being able to exist in a place where you can be both, you know, lover, girlfriend, sexual being, passionate person, selfish person in a way, and also giver, bum wiper, snot wiper selfless loving that those two are it's completely impossible to, to yeah. marry
1: I, you have to you can't do it all mm. and that's what I realised in this relationship this mini relationship I had how long was it? because you talk a, about it in the show yeah well, he's, he was so important to mm. me learning more about myself and learning more about how much I love Alfie and it was, it was tragic in a way because it, if I would met him before we would have been great together but i'm not that person i'm mm. i i'm a mother and what i realize mm. is the first thing i am now is a mother and and
0: he, and there's a very, that very moving bit where you break up with him and he and you say i'm damaged and by what i think you mean by that is i'm carrying so much other stuff now yeah. and then he said i'd like you damaged and you yeah. said well i don't want to be with someone who likes me damaged
1: yeah i think what i was saying earlier about alfie i think love is so it's so about timing because when I met Alfie, he wasn't open. And I wasn't not open, but I just wasn't locked off to it. I was, mm-hmm. I was ready to be a mother. And, and I really, really liked Alfie. And I very quickly, once the door was open, I fell completely in love with him. And, and I think he did me once I'd banged the door open. But <laughs> with, this, with this guy, I think I, I wasn't open to love because I I love them and what what happened is I try to do it all and it's, I try to be a mummy in the day and do everything for them also try and work and try and do as much as I need to to feel creatively fulfilled and to earn money mm-hmm. and then I would and also dealing with a quite severe heartbreak and and mm-hmm. and feelings of even though Alfie didn't betray me we were broken up I I still was absolutely crushed by finding out about him and his double life (laughs) um and then I was also trying to be this new cool fun girlfriend to a a guy that didn't have didn't have all that baggage in the day didn't not that their baggage or whatever but you know didn't have didn't have to have tantrums and cbb's and all of this stuff he didn't have to do that he just had to see me and I had to be on and and I, I did. I was, try- I was, I was. I really performed well. I was, so, <laughs> I was, I was trying so hard, and, I, and he was so great. And then pretend that I don't have a whole life, like such a, such a full life. Mm. And um, then it meant that I would get home because I still wanted to sleep with them. I still wanted them to get up in the morning, or, or if I stayed with him, I would get back as early as possible because they get up so early and be like, "Oh, I'm here. I'm just, I just went to the shop. Just went to the shop. Don't tell them I've been out, you know, with somebody else." Um, and I got, I got extremely sick because I was, my body was just like, you can't do it mm, all. You mm. can't, you've got to choose one. And I remember my mum saying that when I had the baby, Donnie, um, cause I was like, I've got to go to the gym. I've got to, I've got to lose weight or I've got to, I've got to, I've got to do this, this script or I've got to do, I've got to go to this audition. I've got to, I've got to, I, I'm, I've got to go for dinner with Alfie or I've got to, so like, you can't, you can't, you've got to pick, you got to co- mm. pick one, mm. pick one because you, you can't do that anymore. Mm. And that was so, like, annoying to hear at the time. But now I realise, in this situation, I was like, OK, I can't be as good as mum as I want to be and see them, ex- you know, do a little little dance and laugh at them and really enjoy that dance. I can't I can't experience the whole thing of motherhood and also the whole thing of being a new girlfriend and also the whole thing of being uh, creatively fulfilled mm-hmm. at my desk and doing things I like and, and getting further in my career, that which I want to do. Mm-hmm. I chose... And the thing that became most I, I so I had to I had to prioritize. And then the thing of me having fun and just having carefree sex, it suddenly wasn't as as important as I thought it was. Yeah. And I I I I decided that the first thing I want to be is present for them. Second thing I want to do is is do good work. And then third thing, if I have time is to is to is to find love and and to be loved but mm. that wasn't i just didn't have time mm. and and that and the best thing about this period of time now is that they are older and and that's why whenever people have like new babies and they're like how does it get better <laughs> and i was like it really does it does gets it? so it's just hard for a little bit because mm. you're just so tired mm. but then it just it's only getting better now and i think I've gone through the hard stuff and now I've got myself back and I know what I want and I know how to get what I want in my lifestyle anyway, mm. not in my career, obviously not. Um, <laughs> um, I It just gets better because they're older and mm. they they don't need me as much. They're not mm. on my boob. They're mm. not screaming when I leave. They're like, oh, bye, see ya. They don't, you know, it's, <laughs> it's so much easier. And I think, so I'm I'm again, I'm now open to other things because yeah. I... I'm not so needed in so many different ways. And in terms of you and Alfie now, when when
0: in your first show, I Loved Her, again, which I cried, and I think I was the only person who cried in that <laughs> show. That was a funny show, and I cried. But the parting sentiment of it, which I found very moving, is it's basically about the fact that he he was Alfie was sort of your first big relationship, and you managed to fall in love and get pregnant by this sort of by his own words, prolific shagger of London. <laughs> so you had to kind of deal with with being slightly terrorised by this big history of women behind him. And the final sentiment is that you realise that this ex of his that you obsess over, you realise that you love her because she loved him and you love him. Yeah. And it's about... It's a very philosophical, very profound parting message, which is that we are all, you know... Um, relics of all the different people that have loved us and if you love someone you have to accept all those all those kind of fingerprints all over them. How do you deal with that now with him? Is that something you've become more accepting of?
1: In the, the this period of time where we've been broken up, I have just thought so much about relationships and mm. monogamy and mm. different types of relationship and what we try to do or this year anyway as we've been kind of finding our way back to each other is is realized that there is no we're not going to be the normal relationship of there there can be a different way and just being a boyfriend and a girlfriend we don't need those labels i mean i i i realized now that i've got the label i like it but i didn't i don't need it anymore and when i was pregnant with donny and we were falling in love. And he told me he loved me on the day Donny was born. And I, he had literally two days ago or something called me his girlfriend for the first time. Calling me his girlfriend when I was pregnant was so important to me. It was I, all I needed was him to say I was his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but mm-hmm. I did. But now that we've gone through this, yeah, it'll be five years since our one night stand in January. Um, this five years of of just so much happening I don't need that anymore the other thing about the um the show is what I talk a lot I talk a little bit about an encounter I have with um somebody who knows somebody that raped me when I was a teenager yeah Yeah. and um that brought up a huge amount of stuff because I hadn't dealt with this at all and I had chosen really not to deal with it because I I don't I wanted to move on quickly. I wanted mm. to move on as quickly as possible, so that it didn't affect my life. It didn't affect my where I wanted to go in my career. It didn't affect anything. Um, but in this, in the breakup period, meeting her again um, threw up loads of questions suddenly because I had to deal. I had to choose, and I and I feel like it's quite symbolic of my relationship with Alfie yeah. because I had to choose whether meeting this woman and suddenly being confronted with things that had happened in the past, I was gonna, I was how I was gonna deal with them was make or break, suddenly. Mm.
0: And it, for anyone who hasn't seen the show, it is a um, very winding moment where you talk about the fact that you were raped by your tennis coach when you were 15. Mm. And he w- went to prison. And you are in an exercise class and it's his, you recognise it's his ex-girlfriend is leading the exercise class and you decide to, to talk to her at the end of the class.
1: Yeah, it was one of the weirdest things I've ever done <laughs> because I I just knew it was her. I just knew it was her and I, I really, I didn't know, I just had to speak to her because mm. I knew if I left the room and I didn't, I would then think about it all the time yeah. and that's what I didn't want to happen. Yeah, I, I wanted to risk her being horrible to me or saying something that would upset me more than I wanted to risk feeling regret. About not saying something,
0: and she didn't. She just pretended she didn't know. Well, she, I don't, we just
1: don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if she was lying, or I don't know if she was covering, or I don't know if she hadn't dealt with it herself. Right. Yeah. And um, I, at the end of the show, I, I see her again, and I decide that she. I think she did know. Ooh. I think she she did know him, but she's choosing to not say anything. But she did smile at me, and she was. She. I think she quite liked me. Mm. um and her we had this moment where we just looked at each other and I just I probably read way too much into it but I read that her looking at me and smiling and her saying something encouraging to me as a we're going to be okay yeah and that was that was good and I just really really wanted to write about it because I don't think there's enough out there about about situations like this, like rape or abuse, where it's it's kind of um, it's not it's not the, the the biggest thing in the show. Yeah, it's really not, and it's not the biggest thing in my life, and it could have been.
0: Well, that's the thing. Afterwards, I, I went to go see Sunrise with like eight of my kind of closest girlfriends, and afterwards we went out for dinner, and we were all talking about the show. And the thing that we found very affecting is the fact that halfway through the show you talk about this experience and you talk about the fact that you were raped and you say, I know for some people this sort of trauma understandably overshadows their entire life, but I also want to offer up another story, which was my experience, where it it hasn't overshadowed my whole life. And we were talking about how brave it is, actually, to have talked about sexual abuse in that way because I, I in a time where we're now giving women space to talk about um, you know, abuse and rape and ways that they've been violated, I think we are in danger sometimes of having a very prescriptive idea of what victimhood should look like mm. and how victims should react.
1: Exactly. And also it's you sometimes lose focus when we talk about rape because I in my situation, I knew the guy very, very well. He was a he was a figure of I really, really liked him. Like he was a great part of my childhood, and so his abuse of power was the worst thing about it. I just it you would never have seen that coming. But that I say in the show, like I, I, I just want to know what he's doing mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. because what the hell happens when you've been in jail for rape? Like what? I mean, in his case, it was it was not just me, and that's why he went to jail. I don't mm. think I don't think we would have been that lucky to get a sentence just yeah, for me. Yeah. But I, where does he live? What does he do? Like, what, does he have a job? What, I, I I think about things like that now. Now mm. I didn't for a long time, and that's why seeing her again was, oh yeah, God, what's he doing? Mm. Um, but yeah, you, I wanted to just I just wanted a line from her or something that would say just give me a hint of what he's doing I don't know why I needed that and I don't need that and now but yeah I just wanted it to be a hopeful thing about an encounter which could have been quite destructive but I chose to make it I test I I tested her and she didn't give me anything she she, I I prodded her she didn't give me anything back um and I feel like I'm ready to let that go Mm. and I also feel like with rape victims you get I remember at school and this is probably why I've never ever talked about it before I remember at school because it happened just as my just before my um, GCSEs um I remember being like well that's it then that's it with my my love life because I didn't have one yet I didn't have a love life yet I really wanted one but I just never had any attention I just remember thinking well boys are going to think I'm just I'm, I'm damaged. Mm. I just was so worried that they were going to go off me because of it. Mm. Um, if I looked at it more, I think it would have. I think it probably did have a huge impact on my, my sex life yeah. because I'm quite weird. I'm not weird sexually, but I'm, well, I, I'm probably am. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I think I'm quite. Um, I've always just been very. Let's just have as much sex as possible yeah. because it's not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> just and and as a result, now I've just forgotten the. It's just I. It's because it's so far away. You're just trying to normalize. I'm just trying you to normalize trying, sex yeah. rather yeah. than making it this ugh, ordeal. Um, but and and so the first person I had sex with after the rape became vital. And then I was like, okay, I've got maybe I'll get a clock ten up. If I have ten sex with ten people, then it will be further mm. away. Mm. Um, and equally with the days, I remember thinking at the time, I was like, the morning after it's something like SS, you know, the, this the Saturday morning kids' TV show was on. C- SM. TV. Yeah. yeah, that was on. And I remember watching it with cereal or something <laughs> and being like, oh, God, I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop thinking about it. And then it, the TV show kept going. And I remember it was about half an hour later and the TV show was still going. I was like, okay, that's half an hour of thinking about it. And then an hour. Oh, there's an hour of thinking. Oh, God, am I going to be thinking about this for every hour? Mm. And every two hours? And every three? Am I going to be thinking about this every day? Am I going to be thinking about this every every day for the rest, is this going to mm. be my life? And that day, I was like, no, no, it can't be. Mm. Um, so, I feel like, I did work then, without realising as a teenager, which has helped me, just move on from it. And, and, I know that, that's, it, I've been very lucky, to to have it not be such a big thing, in my life. Yeah, I hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does make sense. And what i wondered is you know that show is is an hour sunrise isn't it yeah it's intense it's an intense experience (laughs) like it was a lot like as an audience member and it felt like people around me it was um, yeah it was just an intense viewing experience and I just wondered what that show you know this is real life this is your real life and this is historic stuff and this is like very very recent stuff and it's just you on stage how has it been performing that kind of night after night I imagine it's tiring
1: well it's just been I've just feel very cheeky because it's been like just therapy really good mm. I get paid to do the therapy which is not a good way for comedy to work but I am um, I do feel very cleansed now and I feel much stronger I feel really strong and learning about everything that happened with Alfie and writing about it and me going through this little relationship I feel ready to move on now, and the, the only reason I wrote it was so that I would I would, I would, I would hopefully be able to move on mm. and let him go. and mm. I did. And um, I, I, so I, I just feel much stronger. Jesse, can you tell me your first
0: love story, which is a story of first love?
1: So my first love was a tennis player called Patrick Rafter who never was as big as the biggest tennis players. But at a time, he was, I mean, he was, he won, I think he won some Grand Slams. But he was Australian and he was beautiful. And I grew up on tennis. I played tennis competitively and I would, he just, he really got to me. How old were you? I think I must have been early teens but he had long hair and he wore a bandana, and he always wore like um, sunblock only on his nose. And I used to think this was the coolest thing, and this is maybe why I wear Factor Fifty every day. Um,
0: <laughs> and but... why your skin is so luminescent and we all should be wearing Factor Fifty. <laughs> just
1: sunblock, <laughs> constant sunblock. <laughs> I look very sick, but my skin is glowing. <laughs> um, so I used to, whenever there was a just tennis tournaments, I used to just. It used to always be one going on, and I I just remember tennis always playing in the house, but I used to shut the door in the living room and get a beanbag, put the beanbag right in front of the TV, and I used to just sit there and pretend I was his wife, and I would clap. (laughs) I would clap whenever he did, whenever he won a point, I would sit there and clap. And whenever he did a really good shot, I'd be like, yeah, come on, Pat! (laughs) (laughs) I would let myself enjoy that that fantasy and I would play it out. And I I think that's actually carried over into my relationships because I am like such a fangirl of my boyfriend. Mm. And I You're sort of like his manager, aren't you? I'm like a micro manager. <laughs> I just I I would I want to be their executive PA, I want to be everything. I want to, I want to, I just want to be like on his shoulder the entire time. Like, yeah, you can do it. Come on. (laughs) This is what you need to do today. Um, And I think so that I've always, I don't It's actually weird that, and that I love going to Alfie's shows as well. And I go to a lot of his shows. He doesn't want me to. (laughs) (laughs) I've been to like, I've been to, whenever he does a show, I go about four or five times. I mean, I love it. I make notes. <laughs> I give him notes. He, he hates them. He's not. But he actually he's much better at that now. I think.
0: Where do you think that comes from? Because you're obviously doing this with this tennis player. Like, that, were you doing it with yours? Because you've got a lot of siblings, haven't mm. you? How many? How
1: many? I have you? three brothers and one sister. And I also remember with Beats so and Bibi, my my little sister. She's ten years younger, and she's an actress. But she throughout sc- she's she's such an act. She's she was meant to be an actress. I loved watching her and I would, I would just, and my mum loved watching me play tennis. Was there every single game, even when I was doing awfully, like swimming. I used to be a county swimmer too. She was to come, she'd be in the, she would just, I, I think there's something so beautiful about watching someone you love do something mm-hmm. and try, mm-hmm. just try and want them to do well. It must just be in your kind of family identity that, you know,
0: you support and cheer and, Give feedback, and yeah. that's just what the caves do.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just loved the the idea of this this whole tour, this whole match, and this massive crowd of people. But because in tennis matches they do it, I mean, way too much. But they always cut back to the girlfriend or the their box. And I used to just imagine when you knew the camera was on me when when I was watching Patrick, and I I would be like, OK, camera's here, and then do like a like a Frustrated face, or a, <laughs> I, I just, lo- I used to love thinking about it.
0: Is this a kind of ongoing part of your life, a kind of an imaginary world, um, where where kind of romance would happen?
1: It, it for for such a long time, yeah, because I just was really unlucky with romantic experiences. I had to make something up to make the things that were happening a bit more interesting. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> and. I'm I'm a bit better now because I've got an outlet of writing but I've always imagined things that don't happen and 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 just to create a bit more drama and that's what I realized with with actually a good relationship you've got a the subtext and the fantasy and the imaginary things they need to be controlled sometimes so that you the real what's going on what he just said isn't doesn't warped yeah, yeah it doesn't mean this
0: But do you think it's okay cuz I'm someone who's a bit of a massive fantasist and I'm lucky as well that I have an outlet of writing but I also have accepted that this life this reality isn't enough for me Mm. it bores me Mm. (laughs) I find it frustrating I can't I find facing reality very difficult retreat going into a place of fantasy like me having a bad work week and feeling like I'm messing up and I'm not delivering good work and I'm disappointing people a coping mechanism for me has to be me in detail in the shower for twenty minutes, imagining my BAFTA acceptance speech. <laughs> it's not—it's how I cope with life. Yeah. Do you think that there's a world in which that that can be a part of your kind of coping mechanisms and just the way that you enjoy experience, but also it not take over, it not bleed into the reality.
1: Yeah, I think so. If it's not hurting anyone. And it's only making you function a bit better mm. and be a bit happier and able to face the day more or sleep better. Then definitely that's OK, because it's like what I was saying about um, relationships. You're not you're never going to get all you need from one other person. Exactly. And that's what I think we need to teach more, feel a bit more open about different types of relationships. And um, you, you don't need a man to 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 make you complete. You need Good friends, you need family. You need work. You need. There's so many things that, and 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 actually, if you need that fantasy outlet to 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 liven up your your commute, whatever, that's okay. And that's what one of the best things about being in Harry Potter was being introduced to a whole realm of people I didn't know existed. So I go to a, a lot of conventions where you meet people that are obsessed with. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones or something. And you still go to them now, don't you? I still, I mean, I've had to stop because they, 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 I I can, I can do about one a year because it's, they're such intense experiences. You get quite overwhelmed by them. But, um, I met, I've met such interesting characters at these places where they, they live by fantasy. Their day is dependent on their escapes and, um, and at first when i did the conventions when i started i was a bit i thought that, that these people were slightly i just couldn't relate to them but then i've just started to realize that no that's just their thing that's just their hobby mm. that's and and that's okay and it's mm. it's actually quite beautiful because and they're happier than we are mm. so i'm i'm much more encouraging of that type of thing than i was and i suppose when you have children as well and you see how important that's so true because I can't believe how playful and imaginative they are all the time, all children are. They just get, and you don't have to do very much and that's what's so tragic about it. They just, they just, you just have to do a shit roar as if you're a T-Rex and they, that, that buys you like five minutes of fun. They <laughs> I mean I'm awful at playing. I wish I was better at it. that pl- surprises me. I know, me. I know. I'm really not good at it. I know, but this is also the thing I like. So Alfie's really good. BB's really my sister's really good. Really good at playing. Um and doing the the games where you're the T-Rex or you're the you're the big bad wolf. Like run. Um but I'm better at you know crafts or mm. just, you know, stroking them. <laughs> watching TV with them. No, I'm 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 good in different ways. Yeah. But I do I am forced to do the games. Every- <laughs> I mean, I can limit myself to like one game a day and then someone else has to take over. Um, so I, yeah, that's just, it's so amazing to watch how how important that that play is um, to them. So I'm, I hopefully we will get to do that. I, I hope I'll get better at it. Mm.
0: And going back to Harry Potter, this leads us on to your story of unrequited love, which is acting (laughs) can you tell me how did you get into acting what
1: what age did that all begin i have to be really careful when i talk about this because i am very lucky to have had some of the jobs i've had some of them (laughs) um and i'm very grateful but i didn't mean to do any acting i was okay so probably the easiest way to explain it is to go back to A levels, Mm -hmm. and I was had no idea what I wanted to do. And a boy I really loved was like probably my first unrequited love, Mm. Um, but he did love me, but it never worked out with timing, you know that that thing. Um, And he, we were in an art class, and he, I said to him, "Well, what are you doing?" And he was like, "I'm going to do an art foundation." and you should oh yeah you, you could apply the deadlines Monday and this is a Friday I spent the entire weekend having never even considered doing an art foundation or anything to do with art in my career but I spent the entire weekend making an entire portfolio to submit for Kingston Art <laughs> Foundation which is like one of the best art foundations and I was just like I'm I am going to get in and I am going to follow him there and he is going to be my husband <laughs> and we are going to be together till we die. So the entire weekend had the interview I got in somehow and there I was now at the Art Foundation and he ignored me. Well, he didn't ignore me, but he he wasn't up for what I wanted. <laughs> um, and I was there now. What am I going to do now? So I did the art foundation, and then everyone was going to university. Again, I'm not academically gifted at all, and I was like, "Oh, fine, I'll just you know, I'll go to I'll do what they're doing." And I somehow got in to do English at Manchester, and then about I I got there, and I was terrified, just absolutely terrified. And everyone was there getting absolutely wasted all hours of the day, and I was in the tower at Manchester Uni, a fire alarm went off every night, and I was I was extremely sleep deprived, and I was going a bit mad, so I would end up just drinking too much because everybody was mm. but not my body could not handle mm. it mm. and then crouching by the radiator eating something to stop me feeling so drunk and just hearing the girl next door having disgustingly loud like really odd sex and just crying on the phone to my mum being like they're having sex again um <laughs> and I just couldn't I just was like I have to get out of here mm. so I left within I think probably around six weeks I was mm. out mm. and that morning I went back home to London sat on the sofa crying. My nine-year-old sister and i i was so thin um because i was just running around so stressed and my mom <laughs> this this makes my mom sound quite funny but she it was she was just being logical at the time because everyone who was an actress was very thin she's like <laughs> she was like oh you're thin you're thin we should do something with this <laughs> and so my little brother or B, maybe it was bb was with a kids agency and um i did so i I went to I went to audition for the Kids Agency and then the third audition was Harry Potter. And and this is ridic- that is ridiculous. And yeah. that doesn't happen now I don't think in the industry but they basically did a massive search for this character. They looked at everyone. And your characters with Lavender Brown. Lavender then, Brown. Yeah. They looked at absolutely everyone. And I think at the time I was lucky because my headshot was quite colorful and I think I just stood out a little bit. And what was the experience like? Just mad like absolutely. It was such a big film, uh, it was surreal. But it was the greatest thing that's ever happened. It was like winning a weird lottery. I'm because, glad to hear you say that. Because my, my, my little sister and my little brothers were p- prime age for mm. Harry Potter. So they were just, they thought I was so cool. But then, doing it, got no work. Absolutely no really? work. Really? Yeah, no work. You're so good in that film, I have to say. Oh, thank you. There's this, no I, work.
0: I am obsessed with the Harry Potter films.
1: Well, now i am but i wasn't i wasn't before and that but like i I, I didn't get any work acting is the most fickle ridiculous job because if you're not in you're not there right the right moment i mean it's kind of like it is like love mm. then it passes you by mm. and so i the film had come out but it, it was delayed by 2 years the film actually being released oh, really? so in that meantime i'd gained some weight <laughs> i had become negative and I had gone back to art school to do illustration and animation, which then I dropped out again after a year. So, I've, anyway, so I had literally no work. Um, and I, the auditions I was going to, they're like, "Well, you don't look like that now, so bye." And then just didn't get any work. And that's when I started writing and I started drawing.
0: So, when did you stop? Because you were still in big TV shows and you were still in films up until quite recently
1: yeah I mean I've, I've so basically it all changed when I started doing writing because I did my first Edinburgh show I did it I, it was so ridiculous that the early part of that acting journey that it felt right to write about thinking I don't start doing comedy sketches on YouTube and this is before this is the, the beginning of Twitter really and I started mm. doing a doodle a day online mm. and that kind of got picked up and I started doing my own thing and that got me a bit more i felt secure i knew i was i knew i was doing i was on the right lines with what i wanted to do in my career Mm. and then it led to doing my first edinburgh show which again i had never been to edinburgh festival i didn't know what it was i didn't know that you could just i just did a show just an hour show with bb in it it was about a book club and i was horrible to her throughout the hour she was my she was my like 14 year old assistant we had a little cardboard house which i'd make her stay in (laughs) It's very odd but it got me my first scripts bought and I started writing more and and then I got the occasional episode and things mm. and, and that's happened ever since really and I've been really lucky with little jobs to keep me going but my drawings and my own work as a writer and whatever I do as a you know yeah as, as has it goes alongside that now and then I got so I've just, I now balance them all. Unfortunately, most of my experiences filming have been quite negative. Really? Um, yeah, they really have. And I, and again, I think it's a better time now. I feel like everyone's a bit more open. Definitely, no, no, we're not as, you have to be thin, you have to be thin, you have to be thin, which is brilliant. Um, and such a shame to have to even say, like, mm. it was like that. Mm. Um, and did you feel that pressure on on most jobs that you did? Definitely. Absolutely. And I remember feeling terrified, like really scared mm-hmm. that I was going to get told off. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's happened a few times with jobs.
0: And so are you do you feel happy now that you have for the moment kind of said goodbye to that and, until you can write yourself into something?
1: Yeah, I do. I do. And I, I advise anyone who is a frustrated actress or somebody who feels like they should be getting roles and they're not, you you can write them, you Mm -hmm. can write them Mm -hmm. and you can try and you can put them on somewhere and you can, there's no point just be, it's like when writers say, Oh, you know, they're a writer, but they haven't written anything lately. Write, sit down and write, sit down and try and write a a short film and be in a short film. And you can, there is something you can do. Um, And I just, I've never, I just don't want to sit around and wait for someone to give me something that is going to be a big break. I'm not, I'm, I'm not that cocky. Mm. I'm, much, <laughs> I'm much more desperate and I need to I need to I need to find a way of, of making a living that is gonna get me my rent this month.
0: Mm. Jesse, on to a story of passionate love which
1: will come as no surprise to anyone, is, of course, Alfie Brown. It can only be him. He's just the biggest, he's had the biggest impact on my life that anything will ever have um, from the moment I met him.
0: What did your friends and family make of you deciding to, to have a baby with this man who you had a one-night stand with?
1: We were all just so thrilled. <laughs> Because he was handsome. He is handsome. <laughs> and my mum was just so excited. I mean, my mum, when I first told her I was pregnant, because it was such a shock, because basically I had polycystic ovaries. I should not have got pregnant as easy as I did. And um, I did not expect this mm. at all. I did really not expect this or plan this. And I didn't ever consider abortion just because I just, just I just thought this might never happen again. Mm. I just was. Mm. And also because it felt so right, it just Mm. did. I just, I really already loved him in a way, but I was trying so hard not to. Because he asked to go on a second date after the one night stand. But I knew this as sex, and I also knew that he was probably now riddled with every single STD going. (laughs) And I was like, I'm not going to have... He's probably clocked up another hundred since I slept (laughs) with him. I don't want to... (laughs) <laughs> so it's like I'm not going to risk that. That might hurt the baby. <laughs> so I um I just I, I didn't want to tell him yet. Uh, but I don't know. That's you know people would think that's wrong. But I just was like no, this is my mm. decision at the moment. But yeah, I um I told Alfie and I told him. So I, this is the this is really bad. But mm. this is how I told him. I I texted him because I didn't want him to reject going because he had tried to see me and I rejected him. So I didn't want him to reject me. I didn't want to say, "Oh, well, let's go for another drink," and then for him not to reply. Cuz I thought that would be really embarrassing if I had to be like, "Okay, well, you have to go on a drink with me cuz I'm pregnant." I wanted to have a bit more dignity about it. Yeah. So I, I said I tried to make him I tried to say something like um, he was his birthday. It was his 27th birthday, and he had this, he has the same birthday as um Courtney Kardashian. <laughs> and I loved that. <laughs> um so I said, "Oh, you and Courtney uh, Aries." Um also, we we need to go for a drink or something. We need we need to. So I thought, oh, this. He texts back, pregnant or diseased. He actually texts oh that back. Oh my god! It's like so. Obviously, then I had to deflect. Be like, no, ha, ha, no, I just need to. He's like, why do you need to speak to me? I was like, no, just, I just, I, ha, ha, we just need to go and let's just let's just do something. And he was like, why? And then I sent him a photo of the scan. <laughs> Fucking hell! And what did he do? I said, I'm pregnant. I'm keeping it, and. Um, you can. I'm I'm open to us talking or something like mm. you know. Does has he told you what, how he felt when he saw that picture? He was, a, he was at a gig with a comedian in the car, and he remembers just being you know absolutely shocked. Mm. And then he talked about it with this person, the stranger, on the way back in the car. <laughs> and then we met up the I next day at it. his birthday, and he he basically I was shaking mm-hmm. seeing him and seeing him again. I was just like. He's I just I absolutely I I just was already completely infatuated by him. But I had to hold it together really because I was like, I don't know what he wants, I don't know what mm. he's but he gave me this long monologue and he was like, I I want it. I want I want to do the best and, we can. And was
0: that the was the agreement that you would have a relationship as
1: well? No. No. No, no, no. We would we would be we would go to scans together and we would we would we would have the baby but we wouldn't you know, nothing would happen. And then throughout the pregnancy, we just kind of, it just happened, just very inevitably. But he was really reluctant. I really, I don't know. It just, he, he was very scared of something happening, which would mean that I then hated him, which yeah. would mean he wouldn't see the baby. Yeah. I would never have done that, obviously, but it was a, it was a risk. And so, so we were very careful, both of us. Um, but it just, it feels like we were meant, it was meant to happen. I know that sounds ridiculous to some people, but it just really now, now it just feels like, of course this happened. Of course we were meant to be together. And of course that, you know, we've, but it, it was, it was very tentative and very scary. Um, But then it all got real when we moved in together, Mm. when Donnie was nine months old. And that's when the... Benefit of, of of planning a baby mm-hmm. and being together before you have a baby mm-hmm. and knowing each other a bit more, it would have paid off because we got into the situation where we were like, right, we now have a baby, now we live together. This this shit is real, mm. <laughs> and um, it was quite it was quite a lot. And then I got pregnant very quickly. And was that planned? It was planned. I can't believe I'm s- the best decision we've ever made. It was. We say this all the time as well because Margot is like the best little girl and. I just I'm so glad that we had her when we did. Um, so Donny was only twelve months when I got pregnant with her, mm. and um, so we so it was very real. I was pregnant. We were working. We we were living together. It was it was very scary, and um, and then it just all <laughs> it just all started to, to to get a bit too much really. I think we were just scared, really scared. And you
0: said as well, because I went to go see, you, you did a stint at the Soho Theatre with uh, Sunrise and Alfie was doing a show. Yeah. And then the two of you did an in-conversation yeah. event where you talked about what it was like to write about each other, mm. which obviously I went to go see <laughs> with my best friend. And something oh, that Alfie you. said was so funny, Alfie came on with um, very red in the face absolutely chugging from a can of coke and i was like he was he's so definitely hungover, hungover. I and mean, he's so hungover <laughs> um but he something that he said in it is he said you know often we meet couples and they're like we're just before we have kids we're having like some quality time just us getting <laughs> to hang out and getting to know each other and he's like fuck go fuck yourselves because that was you weren't ever afforded that privilege no. so the whole point of like being able to as you've mentioned like being able to weather the curtain pole, screaming children moments of life is—you have to be able to have had this like
1: foundational mm. time together, which you were never given. No, but now we have. So now, because everything is calmer, and we've had time, and they're older, and they're not—we've got more. My mum can babysit, and you know, we have that time again. But we didn't at the beginning. It's been a, That's why the passion is. It has been such a huge amount of stuff, comp- like put crammed in to these few years and and but the baseline has been extreme love
0: but that baseline of love another thing I found really interesting about seeing the two of you together doing this doing this event where you were talking you weren't just talking about each other you were talking about how you kind of write from real life and I think you know I've seen you and Alfie together I was so the reason I met you was because I cast you in a short film and I was so enchanted and Both Lauren and I, the co-director and the co-writer, we were so... You had such a chemistry with Alfie that we ended up putting Alfie in the film (laughs) just so you two could have a scene together. And I've always been, like, very fascinated by your dynamic, but I haven't spent masses of time with you as a couple. And what I found interesting about that event where you were talking about each other is I've heard you speak so dotingly about Alfie because I'm such a fan of your work. So I've come and seen your shows and I've you know, read pieces by you where you talk about this man who has taught you so much and who's the father of your children and who is like the great passionate love of your life. And I haven't really heard him do that because his shows that that the work that I've seen of his is more um, polemic or it's Mm. more political or whatever. And for the first time, and I saw he's like obsessed with you (laughs) when I saw you two together, there was like an outpouring from him of, total adoration towards you which I obviously knew was there because you're, you're a couple that's very in love but I hadn't seen him I hadn't seen it so ostensibly from him before and it was it's quite a magic Magnetism that you two have, and afterwards, my friend Inge said to me, which is weird that she was saying this because I think you have all these people that are now so invested in your relationship. She said, "I just can't see a world where they're not going to be together." Aww.
1: That was one of the moments when we did this kind of talk about honesty in our relationship and stuff. Um, was one of the I, I almost cried. I had to just kind of swallow it because he was so open with that love and stuff in front of people that we. That was probably the closest we'll ever have to a wedding. <laughs>
0: It was very Ridiculous. beautiful and he talked about the moment he met you and he said that you had this incredible charm and beauty that he was completely like spellbound by and he was talking about the first time he saw you on stage and how brilliant he thought you were. It was just, yeah, it was very, very moving. You so just looked like you wanted to die of embarrassment. I just
1: can't <laughs> believe he was so sweet. And also because he, he really does see me cuz that the, the gig he's talking about when he first saw me on stage, I was doing like 5 minutes. I was something horrific, like something so bad. And I just remember thinking, I can hear his laugh. Oh my god, how is he here? Why is he watching me? This is awful, so embarrassing. Um and but he just you, when you love someone you just see you just see them. Mm. And he does mm. see me completely.
0: And what is it about him that you adore so much?
1: Um he's just so He's so kind, he's so kind, and he's very, very complex. And I love him not only because I find him so funny and so attractive, but also it's so weird with Donnie, because Donnie's a spitting image of him, mm. and Donnie's starting to do kind of little impressions and dances and songs and things, and he's also incredibly sensitive and complex and has awful dreams and mm. is obviously a warrior. And seeing the young, I suddenly now see Alfie in that yeah. and Alfie talks about his childhood and stuff. And I, I just, I just, I just, there's just something just exploding in me daily now with the love I have for Alfie. And then also the love I have for Donnie and also the love I have for little Alfie. It's just really weird. Mm. It's all now combined, mm. this, this joint love. But also seeing how kind he is and supportive of other friends, his friends that's what i really love because i'm not i don't have i'm so i've i've always been so fascinated by you because you seem to have such an amazing circle of friends and they all love you and you're you're so supportive of each other and you talk about friends all the time i have a few friends i've never had a good friendship circle
0: i have a theory about that I think it's people from siblings, from big families. Do you think? Oh, yeah. it must be, yeah. I've never, ever met, because I think that when you're given a gang, basically, and mm. a group identity and people there who love you and understand you and know you and intimacy, you don't really have so much for fire to go out and find it and build it yourself.
1: Yeah, I definitely, because I've always had BB. I just always, yeah, maybe that's what it is. But because I've never had that, Alfie's like you. He's got such amazing friends. He's so committed to them constantly references them, talks to them. Um, And I just... Seeing how much he loves them and how dedicated he is to their friendship has also just made me love him so much more. Mm. I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't met him.
0: Jesse, at your show that I came to see at sunrise and at the In Conversation um, event that you did, there was a woman sitting on the back row with a look of love and loyalty shining from deep within her, who I recognised as your mother from Instagram. (laughs) So she was doing the classic cave thing of sitting on the sidelines. Um, And she is the story of everlasting love that you've chosen.
1: She's the most unique person I've ever met and everyone who meets her says the same thing like where is she from what is what is she she's and I think that's partly because she grew up as a expat so she she was she she lived in so many different places because her her dad my grandpa was in government um so she she's just never had a base she's always just she went to boarding school and she went back and forth to Hong Kong and she's just she doesn't have she's created her own identity and her own she's just incredibly unique and the most giving selfless supportive person and so she's got five children and she her phone never stops ringing she's on <laughs> she's 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 looking after us all daily um and she's like me i think one of my she, i want to be like her and i think i i i'm i think I'm going to be like her because I'm going to make that happen but you look extraordinarily similar to her. I as well. know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy about that. Um but she is the biggest cheerleader for anyone. Mm. So she meets somebody and they say a problem and she she goes on a uh, she goes out of her way to help them if it's them moving into a place and she would be like, I'll be around there at 6am, I'll let the plumber in, I'll do this. She does everything, she makes it work and she says yes to everything. So, for instance, this is just a snapshot of her. She has made every single set that I've ever needed for my Mm, shows. So, for instance, for this show, we made a sunrise, she made a sunrise backdrop. She spent basically... Three months working full time on my backdrop, and then we had to do a bigger one for the Soho Theatre because it was double the space. She did at that. We, she, she makes, she made my pillows, which are my puppets that I use in my show. She, she works full time, but she never tells anyone, and that's what she's so selfless that she, most people, if they do a job and they spend all their time doing it, and they work really hard. Like, well, I've been working really hard for the last two weeks. I've just been doing this full time, so actually, can you say well done? She's not like that. She does it secretly, and oh, she. Where, where
0: does that come from, from her? Do you think?
1: Just, I don't know. Just a very loving, giving person. I don't know. She's just, she's just fascinating because I, she, she doesn't do anything for herself. We have to make her. We have to. I had to. I had to say, I am buying you this coat because she's worn the same fleece for like. <laughs> Five years, and we're like, you can't wear the same fleece. But I don't need new fleece. It's, it's. There's not even a fleece left. <laughs> it's just, it's worn out. <laughs> she wears the same clothes every day. She washes them. She's got a uniform because she thinks that saves time, and then she can spend more time doing things that are going to matter. Mm. So she washes the same clothes every day, and she makes them, and she washes them, and she. So she can. She's just. The, she does as much as humanly possible every day. She's got the most amazing work ethic. Yeah, and as a mother. She looks after my children as if they're her own and has in, not only encouraged but made me go out and work from the second they were born, basically. Be like, you know, work, yeah. do your work, because you can. Yeah, You're lucky. Go and get it and I'll look after them. You go out and do it. My mum has been so full-time childcare at points that she's not... at. I remember her saying... I remember saying to her, like... um. You know, do you enjoy it, looking after them? You know, is it nice that you're, you know, you're reading... She's like, I'm not doing it for me. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm doing it for you. Mm. I'm your mother, so I'm going to look after them. so you can. Um, yeah. I'm her baby still. Mm. Um, and that's the best thing about seeing her interact with them and read them books and things. It's like, I see her doing it for me. I can imagine her doing it for me and seeing how amazing she is at it. So I just feel so just in adoration and grateful for her daily that she has literally given everything to her children and there's just i just don't understand because i'm selfish in certain ways i just i just i just don't understand how she can be so amazingly selfless um and yeah if if i just i just want to say thank you to her every day and she's like don't say thank you she doesn't even like people saying how are you <laughs> she's like, I just I just I could talk about her forever and I want to
0: and if there's if there's one thing that you could take from her as a mother and hope for yourself as a mother what what would it be
1: when I say I feel guilty because I've got to go and work for five days and I'm not going to really see the mother and put them to bed and wake up them and she's like she she says um so we all co-slept with my mum and that's why I do it not because I believe in co-sleeping but it's just it's just a way you can get more sleep Mm. it's a bit easier Mm. um and I this broke my heart when she said it because she worked quite hard and she was she was part-time GP for up until kind of the third child and she worked like quite hard a lot of time and with me and Robbie my older brother she worked full-time and she hated it um and she said well you are seeing them you are spending time with them because you're sleeping with them and that's that I would never have given anything I would never I would never have let that time not be spent and mm. um, it's the best thing I ever did sleeping with you and I really believe in that because I think when I've not seen them for a few days and I've been working really hard and I only just get into bed with them and then wake up and then I've got to go again I did spend that time with them there was I was next to them mm. and they don't remember mm. and like my mum whenever I say oh, I'm for bags so I'm working and I'm soon it's just like they don't remember they don't remember but you know you were there and you know you're trying and they're only going to remember the good things and so much of life we just forget so you just have to remember and have faith that you did kiss them Mm. and that you did sleep with them Mm. and that's okay and you're just doing your best and that's what my mum is like even if it's been a bad day or for her or anything she's just always she always just gets up the next day and does it again and and has faith and belief that it's all going to be okay. I mean, she's just—I just—I, she's just given me such a foundation as a mother, and is just so practical that I—I I want to take that away with me, with her. And also, her mother died, um, and her dad died way too too early, really. And she's still at, in adoration of them, and still references them daily. And uh, the other day, I got home, and. So we have a balcony and we can see the, like, There's at night, you know, obviously, you can see, everyone can see the stars. <laughs> but um, the other night I got home and Donnie said something that I hadn't ever said. And it was like, that star up there is is Grandpa. And that star, he shows that he's looking at us or something like that. So sweet. I was like, what? Who told you that? And it was my mum. My mum doesn't talk about them, my my grandma and grandpa, very much. But I was like, oh there's still so much a part of her, daily. And that was just so beyond beautiful to me, because I was like, oh, now they're being talked about with my children and that's how we can keep it going. But I just, it made me realise how much of an impact your parents have on you forever, no matter what, like no matter how long it's been, they're always gonna be so just inside you, which is just really beautiful. Jessie Cave, thank you so much for telling me your love stories. Thank you, Dolly.
0: Thank you for listening to Love Stories. You can rate, review and subscribe on iTunes to give the series a boost and help others find it. And you can buy my book, Everything I Know About Love, published by Figtree, which is out in paperback on the 7th of February with a brand new bonus chapter, Everything I Know at 30. You can find my book in Waterstones, on Amazon, and in all good bookshops. Or buy the audiobook with the bonus chapter on Audible. Love Stories is recorded in the Penguin Studio in London. The producer is Adrian Cecil. The editor is Richard Hughes. The music was composed and recorded by Lauren Benstead. Tune in next week when another guest will be telling me their love stories.